Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we said probably 150, mid-150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine-pointer. Here, here steps out this 90-inch eight-pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90-inch eight-pointer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like And he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He, he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been, had a buck down at 1.40 in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 2.45, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. We come down here to Missouri. My ass homie one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops for sure. Super special meat. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, and we got a good one coming in your ear holes today. 
Um, hopefully you're listening to this on prime rib day. That's Wednesday. Most, most yes. places that's Saturday night, but <laughs> prime ribs day for us, Wednesday right at here. 11 a.m. Central time. <laughs> I was just talking to the wife and I was like, we've been doing this four and a half years and we haven't missed a week. Miss one. Oh, we missed one week. COVID. Oh, damn. You mean you had COVID. Oh, oh, and I had COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that, but I was like, man, four and a half years five kids two wives and not missing a week but we missed one week one episode i guess mm-hmm. damn so we've you've had to come through a couple times yeah once once or twice so it's always me that's falling out <laughs> i'm just my gut my gut's no good man oh COVID yeah, yeah. Wrecked me and yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyways we're talking he's cisco and we're talking about perfecting the first time sit um this is something that he does not only like a lot of people think the first time sets just for early season, but he does this all year. So he's making first time sets on deer in late season. So I'm excited to talk to him about this for the whole entire year and really pick his brain. Heath, if you're not following him, incredible hunter. I think we're one of the very first shows that ever had him on mm-hmm. and he's been on a ton since. And the guy, I love every time he goes on a show because he's always got something that really relates to a normal, like working class hunter. I agree. But we're getting the people that make this possible. We're going to get in the show. Uh, we'll start off with Exodus. Guys, the velvet's coming off. Um, the bucks are starting to switch. We already got a couple bucks um, that had the velvet shedding. Um, we lost a bunch of bucks on cam, hoping that they come back. The normal every year stuff. But this is the Exodus Trail Cam Tip of the Week, and it is you need to start moving those cams to those fall ranges. If you got a bunch of cams on field edges or field edge scrapes, um, you can leave a few, but if you want to kill early, you need to get some of those cams in, you know, closer to those bedding areas, uh, closer to those doe groups, and try to figure out, you know, try to get these deer working in daylight. Um, I was reading an article today, and, um, it said that most mature deer live their whole entire life within 10% of their home range. So if you think about it like that, these deer aren't moving a lot, especially this time of year when it's hot. So try to get those cams in tight, especially those cell cams. Utilize those suckers. Get them in there close. Get that intel directly to your phone. You ain't even got to go in there and bugger them up. Um, do you have last breath? Yeah. So the trailer's getting ready to drop, guys. And the season's getting ready to get kicked off, so I'm super pumped up for that. Got a lot of videos to come down the shoot here in the next few weeks. And um, now, with what we've got uh, here with the podcast going on, uh, we're going to, they are helping us um, with the podcast here a little bit for this upcoming season. So um, they're great guys. Uh, if, if you guys like this show, they're now helping us out here with the show a little bit. So um, make sure that you like them. And uh, be sure to get on their YouTube channel and give them a follow there because this season's going to be pretty cool to watch. Yeah. And we had a code, right? Uh, Yeah. Are we doing that this month? Yeah, I was going to do it at at the end. Oh, okay. Copy that. Um, All right, I got Black Rifle. Um, I just got my coffee subscription in the mail. Haven't got my box, but I got some Fit Fuel. I'm going to try it out. Ooh. Um, skipped a pre-workout and just try that out for a while. I'm out of pre. I was like, I'll just try that. Right. Give it a shot. See what I think. Um, I'm working out hella early. So I was like, maybe, maybe maybe some coffee will, you know, 
make it a little better. But um, use code Whitetail Legacy, get 20% off your order or 20% off the coffee club. So that's what I did. So you get to pick whatever you want to come in the mail every 60 days, 30 days. So I just got coffee coming to my house every 60 days. Now I ain't got to worry about it. So Can't beat that setup. Yeah, and I got 20% off, so pretty sweet. Uh, you got next level? Yeah, so our buddy, longtime listener, supporter of our show is out there. Uh, Paul's out there with Nate and Scott hunting. Um, today they checked cards, filled feeders. Uh, I was out there trying to look for some mule deer. So uh, I just want to take a break from um, covering a product from them and go back to the guys who are actually running the company and, and the stuff that they're doing. Uh, just met through kind of us with the podcast, got hooked up with Paul. And uh, last year they surprised us with uh, Paul going out there. They didn't really let the cat out of the bag until we're in the snap group. And next thing you know, it's all three of them in, in one picture. But uh, this year we knew Paul was going up there, and he's super jacked. Stopped by to say hi to us on the way through there. So drove out of his way to to come by and say hi and shake our hands. And uh, now he's out there hunting with Nate and Scott, and hopefully they can get on another mule deer like they did last year and, and just have a blast. So great guys trying to help out another great person. And um, you can be a part of that if uh, you want to and get some feed from them from uh, nextlevelwithdeer.com. All right. Well, that's it. Um, well, yeah, now I'm going to. So in association, yeah, in association with Last Breath, um, we have been given a code to share with you guys for uh, a percentage off of your Badlands order. If you are seriously interested in ordering some Badlands, uh, we can help you guys out. But you do need to message us privately, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. If you know Cody or I personally and you want that, um, just hit us up personally and we can definitely get that to you guys. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty substantial discount yes, if you're is. buying, you know, a lot of Badlands. Mm -hmm. It definitely save you a lot of money. So, if you want to try some Badlands out, that's what we run. They have no correlation with the podcast at all. We just really love the Pyre Suit late season. It's just so, so good. Um, so, you guys want to. Like Homie said, if you guys want to use that, just reach out and we'll hook you up. All right, let's get into the show. Keith Cisco on tonight. How you doing tonight, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, we were just talking on the intro. Is I think we we I don't know if we were the first guys to pop cost with you or not, but I'm really glad that some other podcasts are reaching out to you and uh, getting your voice out there because you're definitely a voice that needs to be heard by especially like working class hunters like us, you know, the guys that you don't have a perfect farm or you're going to get it done on the first week, you might have to grind all year to get it done. And that's, that's what you do. You know, you just don't give up. You make it, you make it happen. So, well, thank you. And you guys were the first ones to have me on. And, uh, I didn't know what to expect with podcasts, but you guys made me feel comfortable and I enjoyed it. And I've done several since then. And, uh, always look forward to talking to you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on late tonight, making it making it happen. That's how most of our episodes have gone here recently. We used to kind of nest egg a couple, but we've been working on a big series to release during season so we can have a little more hunting time. Um, so we've been nest egging them for that and not for the week. So we've been podcasting every week, and um, this will release tomorrow. But we wanted to get you on and talk about um, the first-time sit. It's a huge popular topic. Um, but I think there's a lot more to it than people think. Um, but we're going to dive into that. But just so the people, if they haven't heard from you, just give them a brief uh, description of who you are and what you do. 
Sure. My name is Heath Cisco. Um, I live in Southern Ohio. I work at a uh, in deactivation department and a shutdown uranium enrichment plant where we're uh, setting it up for demolition. I've been doing that for 25 years out there. Used to be operating it. Now we're actually shutting it down. Been bow hunting. I started bow hunting at an early age. I killed my first buck when I was 13. I started actually targeting uh, deer that scored greater than 125 inches, Pope and Young, uh, when I was uh, 18. And I was successful, killed my first one when I was 19 and knocked down, I don't know, probably, uh, it's in the 30s now. I've killed 30 some uh, over the years. Um, and I just love uh, chasing down specific whitetail. I usually pick one or two and I go after. I set a target up and I go after one of those, and uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Uh, I used to at times set in different places and just hunt for a, a good buck. Now I like picking out a buck and going after him and just a one-on-one challenge and uh, taking it down to the wire and trying to get it done. Nice, yeah, that's definitely you definitely got that down to craft. The podcast that we did last year, um, we got so many messages about that. So thanks for coming on last year. That was an awesome episode. I actually went back and listened to it a couple of weeks ago again. Um, it had it was one of our best performing episodes for the year, also, wasn't it, homie? Yeah, it was. It was right up there, and um, you know, just like you said, taking it down to the wire, and we're talking about you know picking out a buck and keeping trying to keep tabs on him through the rut, which um, you seem to do pretty well at Heath. Well, thank you. Uh, it's not from a lot of uh, trial and error and failure over the years uh, to get to where I'm at. And, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, and, you know, um, I live in southern Ohio where there's some good bucks. I travel out of state every year, um, you know, and you just got to set your goal. And if you just want a, you know, 110-inch buck, then that's what your goal is. If you want a 150, then you got to go places where there's a 150. Me, I, I want – my target is 170 inch plus, but I can't always find those. And I just find the biggest deer I can legal, I can get access to, let's say, and then go after it. Yeah. That's something that you have done successfully every year. Um, and I know some of them have been on first time sits. And the reason I want to have you on is people think first time sits and they think the first hunt of the year or the first, you know, October one, I'm going in, but you're doing first time sets on deer late season. You know, so, excuse me, I want to cover, you know, talk to someone who does this all year long. I'm going to kind of get the different seasons and how you approach it. But um, first off, you know, going your first time sit, what's what's just your all around process that how you how you preparing for that? And uh, what what kind of intel do you need to actually make that move? Sure. Well, it changes throughout the season. Um, especially in early season, let's say, for instance, uh, first time set is basically, uh, well, I refer to it as a virgin set because it's the very first time. And uh, so it's basically getting as much intel as you can, whether it's by trail cameras, boots on the ground scouting, hunting fresh sign the first time in. You jump in there, you take a jab at it, and you make sure the wind, you're set up right for the wind, you're set up right for the travel routes, you hunt off of fresh, the freshest sign you can find, and you take that shot. And if it happens, uh, then, you know, it's great. But if not, you need to back up, you need to re-scout again, and you need to set up and have another first-time set, version set, to uh, take, that, take your next shot. And, and, you know, that's, that's what I mainly do, especially in early season. I'll find out where these deer are feeding. 
uh, you know, this year it looks like we're going to have a decent acorn crop. So I'll go in and scout acorn crops. I'll find the best sign and I'll hunt those areas. Um, and to determine what caliber bucks are in there, hopefully I've either found a shed from the year before, I've got pictures of them from the year before, or I'm running trail cameras in that area now and I locate a good buck. And all I really want to do is get one picture of that buck to know he's in there. And once I, once I find out he's in there, then it's just trying to determine, okay, it's what, what's his foot track look like or what size of rubs is he leaving? You know, certain big deer leave, leave uh, are aggressive and they leave big rubs. Other big deer I found that hardly leave any sign at all other than foot tracks and droppings. So, and it's, it's going in and when you go in the first time, uh, you know, like a normal person when they're going hunting, they got a stand set up and uh, it's just their stand. So the first time they go into it, they have the usually the best deer action they have. They see three or four does. They see a couple small bucks and uh, they see some fawns come through or whatever. Well, then the next time they go back into that stand, let's say it's the next day. Well, they see less, fewer deer. And then when they go into it the following weekend, because, you know, a normal person only gets done on weekends, they don't see as much. But, you know, this is a stand that they've already got pre-hung, and they didn't scout to adjust and reposition that stand for the actual food sources of that time of year, whether it is a late bean field, it's a clover field, or the acorns dropping. So it's mainly staying on top of fresh sign and make sure everything is right. If, if, if you got a big buck that's coming through on your trail camera uh, and you're getting trail camera pictures of it, and let's say he's moving around this acorn flat and you're getting trail camera pictures of it about every day, but it's only on a southwest wind. So why jump in there and hunt that on a northwest wind? You know, wait for the perfect time for that southwest wind and jump in there and get it done the first time. You don't want to take a chance and hope, well, hopefully he's going to be moving through there on a north wind and get in there and burger things up and not get that opportunity. You need to go in there and when everything's right, whether it's weather uh, the certain wind direction that you need and he needs to travel through that area. And, you know, let's say it's a certain moon phase, not really a moon phase, but a it's a good moon time to where the moon is directly overhead or underfoot that last hour of daylight or the first hour in the morning of daylight and where they're going to be more apt to be up on their feet. And you go in there and you make the best opportunity at it and you go in there and you take that opportunity to try to get it done. And if it works, then great. If it doesn't work, you need to back up, reposition yourself, possibly rescout, and try it again elsewhere, not in that same spot. That's early so you, season. So you, uh, during early season, I mean, if you got a buck that's edging daylight and, you know, you have the right conditions or he's a couple hours after daylight, but he's pretty consistent in this area, are you waiting for a daylight picture of him or are you making that move based off the conditions that are there? Uh, based off the conditions that are there, if I get a picture of a buck moving around on an acorn flat or coming into the edge of a food source, let's say a clover field if I'm hunting a food plot or, or just a farmer's field, um, if I'm getting him, let's say, a half an hour after day after dark in the evening, let's just say, for instance, in the evening, if I'm getting him a half an hour after dark, well, I kind of got in my mind how he's you know, manipulating through the area and entering that food source or coming into that acorn flat. Well, if I'm getting him a half an hour to an hour after dark, you know, why jump in there and hunt him right then? If I'm using my cameras, I can use my cameras and I can say, okay, there's a storm coming through, you know, two days from now, and it's supposed to come in in the morning and it's supposed to be gone in the afternoon by around two o'clock. 
Well, that's a perfect opportunity for me to say, okay, that storm is going to get that deer up on his feet quicker. So I'm going to jump in there while that storm is still before it ends. I'm going to get in my position that I've already had pre, uh, pre-planned on where I'm going to go. And usually I carry my stand in with me because I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of stands that are already preset. I'll slip in there with the right wind. I'll position myself, you know, if, if it's still raining or whatever, which is great. And then when it stops raining, those woods are going to come alive and those deer are going to move a lot earlier and I should get my opportunity. And that deer should break daylight, you know, where I'm hunting before, um, you know, earlier than normal, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Now, um, early season, um, are you, this is something that I'm kind of thinking about this year. We had a lot of bucks in October. Um, you know, we had a cooler October early last year but we had a certain buck that was daylight um on one of our food plot we put a food plot there this year but it's kind of like on our scrape tree in the evening um are you doing any like previous intel to make that first set like okay this deer is still alive and he was here you know last year on the 3rd of october are you doing anything like that and had any success off of trying to pull that off so you're saying like a same time, same place kind of deal? Yeah, like in early October. I know some people say that like during the rut, but I didn't know for October. Um, I would say it was more weather-based, but I was just wondering if there you had ever seen anything that connected the dots like that. So from my experience from running trail cameras and then uh, seeing deer, um, it seems like, you know, about the second to third week of September, deer start showing up about the same time every year. Maybe it's the same buck. And then you'll have that same situation again in uh, late October where all of a sudden the deer that you haven't got a picture of for, you know, all year, he shows up on like the 28th of October and he showed up the same time, almost the same exact day the year before, if that makes sense. I I personally haven't experienced that uh, in the first, let's say, couple weeks of October where it's a deer I haven't got any pictures of and all of a sudden he shows up. Usually they show up about a week or two before October, and then at the end of October is what I've experienced. Okay, yeah, we've had deer that kind of show up at the same time, frame within a few days, and this year I was thinking about trying to make a move on that in that time frame around the best weather condition day mm-hmm. um, to see if, you know, he wouldn't show up to the farm because, um, you know, everybody watches, you know, Midwest Whitetail and, you know, all, all that, and uh, you see stuff on there like that, they're like, man, I just don't know if that would work for me, but I didn't know if that had ever been something that you had, had seen. Yeah, and you got to think about it too. Unless you're running your camera over bait, um, if you're just running them like in Illinois, you just got to run them over trail scrapes, whatever. Um, you know, really, what's the chances of that? That buck could be there for two weeks and you not get a picture of him. He could be right yeah. there and you would not get a picture of him. So it's tough. In Ohio, uh, I can go into an area and let's take a, a 25 acre woodlot. Well, I can go in there and dump 50 pounds of corn and scatter it out at one corner of the woodlot. I'm going to get everything in that woodlot. You know what I mean? So you kind of, you can kind of pinpoint more of when they show up, but you know, over a scrape or something like that, um, uh, you know, maybe they're just hitting the scrape, you know, 20 yards away and you're not getting a picture of them. You just don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to determine and figure that out um, unless you're running several cameras in several different locations and uh, you're keeping an eye on tracks or when the sign, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, that starts popping up everywhere. 
Yeah, that we picked up a new lease this year, and uh, there's bucks on the north end of it that we don't have any pictures of on the south end, and it's not a very mm-hmm. big piece. So sure. it's well, crazy that's... that people people think, you know, if, even if they're hunting public land, they're like, well, you know, I've kind of covered, I got two cams and that's 40-acre block. There's just nothing here, but they can move that cam 200 yards and be on a you know, pretty decent deer. So, Yeah, well, me running uh, mineral and stuff in the summertime, and you could even throw some corn in there with it or whatever. Um, you could get pictures of certain bucks and move that same bait site, let's say 200 yards, and get different bucks. So um, I quit running my cameras as much throughout the summer because usually the deer that I get throughout the summer are very sparingly because I mainly have the woods access and everybody else has the fields access. And then, uh, uh, but you know, the bucks, it's like almost every year, you don't hardly get anything. And then around the second, third week of September, they start showing up. So why waste my time going in there, contaminating the area and all this kinds of stuff through June, July, and August when all I got to do is go in there in the second, third week of September, I have my cameras out and I can get pictures of them and then find out what I got to hunt. Yeah, that's something we did this year. I have a pile of cameras next to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know, I know homie's got a pile of cameras. How many, how many mobiles you got at the house still that haven't even out? Uh, three still. Three mobiles? Yeah, and yeah. I got, I got a, I got like 12 <laughs> sitting over here in the corner because we're trying to do that. We're trying to, you know, not have that temptation to pull cards when it really doesn't matter. Yes. You know, and, and it's really hard not to, well, I'm out on this property. I might as well cruise up here and grab this camera. And then you get to that camera and you're like, well, I'm only 150 yards away from this camera. And before you cover the whole property when you only thought you're going to pull two. Um, yeah. And you know, we do that three times in summer. And then any deer that decided that, hey, I might chill here for my fall range too, you could have bumped that deer out already. So. Yeah, I mean, cameras are a blessing and a curse. I mean, I, I've run several several cell cameras, and uh, then I run just regular cameras. The regular cameras, I'm getting to the point where I just like letting them soak all season and then checking them at the end. Um, going through and checking them throughout season, you get caught up in that. Instead of scouting, you're checking trail cameras. And mobiles, you just let them run. But then again, um, you know, if you're not getting a picture of this buck on a particular farm with your mobiles, um, it'll deter you from uh, going to that farm and hunting. So I like scattering my cameras out uh, that I let my regular cameras and letting them soak all year. And then my mobiles I put in strategic locations to where it should get most of the deer traveling through those areas, usually, especially out of state like Illinois. I put them over scrapes that we set up. And, uh, and then I just scout and hunt. And I don't rely on my cameras as much as maybe a – another guy or something because i don't know how many times i've went into a spot had a had a camera had several cameras set up in that area and go in there and hunt scout and hunt and see a buck that i've never got a picture of yeah i think that's a great tactic for someone to pick up on and um just we've seen that last hand homie that hunt we went on at the scrape tree last year i mean how many deer did we see there and none of them walk in front of the camera yeah yeah yeah, you know, I mean, there's like we seen six or seven deer, and we thought this place was kind of void of deer, and we just didn't have a really good setup for the wind anywhere, and we we're like, well, we'll go in here and just check it out, and we end up seeing, you know, all of them deer, and none of them walked in front of those two cameras. 
So, sure. And, and it was, it was probably in your mind, it was playing games on you thinking, well, I don't even want to go in there because it's just not happening in there. So yeah. at, at the end of the year, I like, you know, getting my 10, 15, 20 cameras I got out and let them soak all year. I used that in, Intel to set me up for the following year. And, you know, that way I can adjust better or whatever. And hopefully some of the bucks make it, but um, cameras can go. I mean, and it plays mind games with you. If you're struggling throughout the season and just not having much luck, and I before had a couple cameras running on different farms and think, man, it's just not happening over. Then I go in there to scout or go in there to pull one of them cameras, and 150 yards off from where I got one of the cameras, there's rubs as big as my thigh, big, huge tracks going through there, and it's just destroyed. And here I am uh, a day too late, you know, that yeah. kind of deal. Damn. That's why that in-season scouting is so important you know, and you don't want to, it's really hard for us. We're on the fence of like, do you really, do you want to tear up your whole property scouting it or do, or when the time's right, you have to, you have to do it. You have, you need that Intel to make sure that you're in the right place. If you don't have, if you're not on something already, yeah. instead of just having a, a, a bullshit hunt, we basically go somewhere just hoping something comes by. Sure. I feel like we do that a lot. You know, we go somewhere, well, this has been kind of good in the past, but you're not confident that you're in the right spot when you're in there. Yes. You're always and, thinking about somewhere else. And, you know, if you scout two days and hunt one day, you're going to be 10 times better off. If you scout three days and hunt one day, you're even going to be better than that. Um, so, like, for instance, on my buck, I killed in Illinois this past year. Um, I went out there, and it was in the heat. I mean, you know, it was like October or November the 8th, and it was 80 degrees. I knew this woodlot. I've been in in this in this section of timber numerous times, but I hadn't been in it in three weeks. So what did I do? I went in there and walked every inch of it. I tried to keep the wind in my face. Uh, that way, if I jumped deer, they didn't win me. But I went through and scouted every inch of it because I wanted to know what was happening right then. And then what I did, the next four to five days, I tiptoed around and I set up in different areas and hunted it. And I, I very seldom ever hunted the same tree and when I did hunt the same tree, it's on an observation set. So you can get in there and put boots on the ground and scout and find out exactly what's going on, seeing tracks and everything. Or you can set back and set in a safe area and observe, do an observation set and just let everything play out and see how the deer are traveling, see what's going on, and then jump over there and try to take one of them out. You know, if if the, if it's an area you think the buck's going to go through, or let's say there's a bunch of does move that area why well, jump in there and figure it out uh, on the first set when you can set back a set and watch and then dive right over there and be in the exact tree you need to be in what yeah. one thing i haven't really heard you talk about heath or um i know you haven't talked about it on here a bunch but we'll just take that scenario as, as you're in there hunting uh your illinois lease and you're you know you've got a stretch of days here as you go in there and hunt different trees and you're bopping around how does your access kind of look? Are you taking mostly the same trail, you know, 80 to 90% of the way and then veering off at the end towards the tree you want to go to? Or are you making a couple of drastic changes on the way that you access the tree that you want to get into? So um, I, normally what I try to do is I try to avoid the normal accesses that because there's other people that hunt the farm as well. I try to avoid the normal accesses. I, I try to keep uh, – I try to – I try to come in at different angles, and that's why uh, I like hunting different uh, uh, weather situations, different wind directions. Uh, I love weather changes. 
Uh, the way we got, you know, a couple of days of a north wind and we'll have somewhat of a little front come through and the wind will switch to the southwest. That gives me different angles to come at and take advantage of different spots. And plus it moves the deer around a little bit to bed in different points instead of being on a, let's say, a spot up there to where I just can't flat out get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely don't uh, – um, I try to avoid uh, coming in the same way, um, even if I'm hunting 200 yards apart. Uh, unless it's a bulletproof access to where I'm coming up a, a ditch, a creek, something like that, or across a cow pasture, uh, you know, where there's less uh, issue of running in and bumping deer. I, tr- I try to come in at it at different angles instead of uh, – it's always from the – I can't say downwind side, but at a crosswind and it's away from where the deer I suspect are at in the morning. But, you know, some farms you're just, you, you don't have that luxury uh, because you're limited to only a one area you can come in from. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes, that's what makes some farms hunt big and some farms hunt small. Yeah. That's something that we've really, you know, tried to, we've definitely gotten better at it, but this year I think we're even going a step farther and um, really diving into our access on our small private piece, just like you said, you know, a, a small piece can hunt bigger if you do have a different angle to come in at. Yes. So when we covered the early season and you're you're well known for late season and people think that's way off, but um, I feel like once the rut hits, it's time for late season. Like it's it's over and it's time to move on and deer season is going to be here for us in a month and the ruts, you know, just a few months away, a couple months. So what are you doing on that first time sit, you know, after the rut or that late November, December, is there anything different that you're looking for or any different moves that you're going to be making? So it's, it's similar to early season, you know, it's all focused on food because the rut's over with, uh, you may have a few straggler does coming in. Um, but in late season, I'm concentrating on finding out where the food is, finding maybe farms that didn't have as much pressure. Um, so I like to sit back and observe from afar for a couple hunts. And then I like tiptoeing in and, uh, and picking out my spot uh, where I see they're traveling through, maybe uh, uh, different areas that I can take advantage of them. And uh, I like sitting back and observing and then jumping in there to, for the kill. And, and you know, cameras are – really good you can especially if you have like a cornfield or a pick bean field where a lot of these deer are coming out to uh, you can put uh, one on time lapse mode and set it up for the last hour and a half of daylight and you can get them deer and you can kind of figure out if you can't sit in there and hunt a lot you can figure out where all the deer are moving out at uh, coming out into the field so that's really great um, and then just knowing your lay of your land if i haven't been in there before if it's a new farm i'll have to go in there and tiptoe around and check it out and I may do that on, uh, let's say, a bad weather day or uh, something like that. And I'll pay attention to uh, a cold fronts coming through, snowstorms, different things like that. And I try to time it to where, you know, like I said, the moon transit times are within the last hour of the, you know, last one to two hours of the day of the evening. And maybe right after a storm, uh, let's say where, a, where a, a storm come through and dumped a bunch of snow. If it's a snowstorm, I like to hunt before the storm and after. But if it's just a rainstorm, well, then, you know, because sometimes it's it's 30, 40 degrees where you may have a sleet, a little bit of rain or whatever. And right after that rain in the evening is a great time to be in there because the deer are going to be hunkered down all day during the rain. And then when that rain goes away and if that sun comes out, those deer are going to start pouring towards them fields or to the food. 
Yeah, there's something about a good rainstorm that really gets them up and moving no matter what time of the year it is. It's like yeah, absolutely one of my favorite things. You know, it's you're at work and you see the rainstorm and it's gonna end about three and you gotta call the wife like, Hey babe, the wind's gonna switch, the rainstorm's rolling out, I gotta I gotta hunt tonight. Like there's no this is the night, you know, and um She's probably thinking now any excuse you got it you get get to the woods you're gonna use but I I've had really good success on shooting deer and seeing deer you know even more deer does moving small bucks you know they just they just like to move after that rain yeah and then you know you talk about the first time in I usually make get everything set up in my favor especially in the late season because I go in there for one shot to try to get it done and if it doesn't work out that day it depends on really how good my access and stuff is. If it's if I got perfect access, I didn't get busted on the way in, the way out, and I didn't, you know, alarm any deer. I may come back in there a day or two and hunt it again. Uh, but most generally, if I get in there, I'm in a little deep. Uh, if one of them gets behind me, or I suspect that maybe the buck could cut my track or something like that, and it just didn't happen, then I'll back up and maybe I'll move towards his bedding area a little bit closer. I'll inch towards there a little bit more and try to catch him again in a few days when the, when the weather's uh, better. Because in late season, I take my time a little bit. I'm patient. Uh, that's why, like, this this past year, I didn't kill my buck till February 4th in Ohio because I'm patient. I'm waiting on these weather changes and weather fronts and the right conditions because I want to go in there and kill that buck on the first time in. Now, last year, you know, the one I killed in February, I didn't kill him on the first time in, you know, and luckily I had him come by me at like 20 yards, uh, two, like two or three days before, and I just couldn't get a good angle on him. And I thought that maybe I'd blown it then, but it worked out because I had a, I had a really good access. I was able to come back in, move over just a little bit and able to take advantage of the same movement. Nice. That, that goes to the next topic I want to cover. And this is something we struggle with a lot. And it's when you're going to make that, you know, that you're going to make that move into that first time set. Um, when you're in there and you got the trail cam data and, you know, you get, you feel like this deer is going to be here. Picking the tree has always been a challenge for us. We're, we always say we're 40 yards off from the kill tree. Um, and I think that had come with just, you know, more time out in the woods. And we get it right every now and then, but most of the time we're, about 40 yards too far and the deer is about 50 60 yards so how are you going about picking picking that kill tree because i know you're going in there with your you know your custom gear stand and hanging almost every hunt so um kind of how are you picking the tree and then also you know are you looking for coverage or a certain yardage or how are you going about that sure so it's a little bit different for me compared to let's say you guys you got to get a tree where you can fit two guys up in it try to hide the movement cover um cameraman and all that kinds of stuff so that makes it really difficult because you got two people's scent and all that kinds of stuff two people's noise movement and all that stuff what i've did i've evolved over the years used to um i hunted out of big huge uh, big trees um trees that were hard to get my stand strap around and this is back when i first started you know hunting or whatever and why i hunted out of big trees i have no idea i just thought it would break up my body uh form and stuff like that and it was more for cover and stuff but i was like you i was always off i picked i, I hunted i i picked the tree before i picked the spot if that makes sense i picked out of an area and then i've just picked the biggest best tree in that area now i don't do that uh 
now I go in and like I said, it's evolved over the years. Used to, I wanted to get really high. I wanted to have a good sized tree. That way my scent was higher. And I felt like, you know, if, if an uplift in thermals, it was raising my scent away and I would never get busted. But now it's, it's I've completely changed away from that. I pick my spot and then pick the tree. So if I got a spot, if this is my trail or the spot where the buck's coming through and it is right here, well, I'm looking at 50, I really want to be 20 yards away to 25 yards away. I don't like them 10, 15 yarders. I want to be back just a hair. So what I do is I pick the spot, then I find the tree and that tree may be fairly small. I may have to hunt a little low to where I stay in the cover, or it may be a bigger tree to where I can get up a little bit higher. And it just depends if this is an evening spot. Well, I do want to be low. If it's a late season spot, I definitely want to be low. That way I don't get silhouetted. But if it's a morning spot where I'm going to hunt unless I, I want to try to get it maybe a little bit higher that way with the, hopefully with the upflow of thermals, you know, I won't, there'll be less chance where they're going to get me, but I pick a decent size. Uh, I can't even say a decent size tree. Maybe there's a big tree with a small tree beside of it. I may get in that small tree and, and let the big tree break up my silhouette. Maybe it's up against a cedar tree. And the cedar tree isn't one that I can get into, but I'm in a little, you know, maybe a tree as big as your thigh right beside of that cedar tree, you know, just looking for cover and not, well, I, I want to be up at least 12 to 12 foot. And then I look from 12 foot up to, let's say 25 feet. That's usually my height. And that's one of the favorite, my favorite things that's ever been said on this podcast. I think pick the spot before you pick the tree. And I feel like, homie, do you feel like we're picking the tree? I, I feel like we have, and and just as Heath was talking there and he kept explaining it, I feel like on the two times last year when you killed and when I killed Sunshine, like we had the spot and we just kind of went just make it work. Went to the tree. It wasn't the tree we wanted to be in, but it's the tree we had to be in. And I think when we get into that scenario, that's when we're obviously more successful. Yeah. That's like, yeah. I guess that's one of the most favorite things that I've ever heard on this podcast just because it, it like light bulbed me because I feel like I'm picking the tree. Like I'm in the, I'm in the area, but I'm not right where I want to be. Like sure. I'm not right where I want to be. And I'm like, well, I'm close, but I'm not right where I want to be. And just like homie said, when we're in like, when we're in the spot, it's normally some really hard tree and it's not very good. Like you feel like the cover is not very good, but we pull it off. Sure. And when we killed his buck, we were only probably 14 foot, yeah. two guys and a tiny, I couldn't even get the camera arm on the tree. I had to <laughs> hand film because the camera, the, the cedar tree was so small. Yeah. Uh, so I got a, I fight it every year. I fight it every setup, not every setup, but a lot of times throughout the season. Cause I'm used to hunting in the perfect tree over the, you know, my first 15 years of hunting and you get set up in there and heck you can get some of them like a lounge, like a lounge chair up there. I mean, you got all this cover, you got this to hang your bow on this to hang your pack and all this stuff, just a beautiful setup. But I wasn't real successful. I was seeing stuff, but I wasn't where I needed to be. So that's why I started picking the spot and let the spot dictate what tree you need to be in. Yeah, man, that's, yeah, that's like that. key for us. I like that a lot. That's that's gonna change change the way I hunt this year. I'm just gonna be where I need where I think I need to be and you'd be proud of us. We we got a new lease and we hung zero stands on it. We had awesome. great plans, 
And we were like, nope, we're not hanging any stands. We're just going in and hanging and hunting and moving. And, but we got trees like in areas. We scouted it. We were like, hey, we can get in this tree. We can get in this tree. We can do an observation set over here. Yep. Like, we kind of got an idea already. Instead of going in there and putting a tree stand in that tree, we just had no intel. So we we're like, hey, we're going to, um, you know, kind of just move around on this piece. There was a person that hunted it before and he left the stand. So we're like, well, we might as well utilize this, but we're just going to take one of our, use his, put new straps on him and take one of our hang-ons and hang on yeah. for the camera guy. So sure. other than that, we're just going to try to try to do that. And I think, man, I, I really think that's what I, I feel like that's our problem. I mean, we're just right on the edge all the time and we're just trying to be like, well, if we get here, we're going to get busted or blah, blah, blah. We just need to try and risk it because you're in it to win. And if you want to be in a spot, you need to be in that tree to where you're not making, you're not, you know, have that 45, 50, 60 yard shot. You're just putting yourself in that situation and hoping you can grunt that deer over or make something happen or get lucky instead of just being where you absolutely need to be. Yeah. That's yeah, just, I mean, oh, yeah. I was going to say, that's just what I was going to say, Cody, is like, we get to the tree that we're going to get in, we're like, yeah, where the deer are going to be at, I can make that work, but if you would just go to where you don't want to be, but that's where you need to be, it's it's going to be, you know, a slam dunk. Yeah, I mean, why, why try to get lucky? Why not make your luck? Um, yeah. And, and be where you need to be. And, and if you're going to go through all that time to go in there, to get up in the morning, to buy all this equipment, to take your time to hang in the stand, hanging in the right spot where you need to be to kill that deer instead of where you can see that deer. Um, and, you know, used to, I went through, I was the type that scouted in the spring. I went and cleared out, let's say on one farm, I may go clear out 10 different trees. I go in there with my pole saw, put steps in a tree. I cut all these shooting lanes and all this stuff. And then next thing you know, it comes season and I don't, and the sign isn't where them spots are. So I don't even hunt some of most of them trees. So why did I waste all that time? Why not go in, scout, figure out where I need to go and go in there and hang that stand and get in there and hunt it a time or two and then tear it down and move. And I just, my success rate has went so far, went, went up so quick from doing that instead of setting these normal stands that well this is where they should be coming through i don't care where they should be coming through i want to know where they're coming through and if that's a ridge over if that's 20 yards over that's where i want to be and you know and and in in a rut there's certain places that uh certain funnels and stuff and different areas where bucks travel it's just what they do it's how they work and manipulate different properties try to pick out those those spots you find and maybe you do need a permanent set in one of those. And maybe you can hunt it three, four, or five times in a season. There's places like that, especially during the rut, but usually not early season and a lot of times not late season. You need to move to the deer and don't just sit back and watch. Yeah. I, I, I heard you say there, Heath, um, that you kind of let, whether it's an evening hunt or a morning hunt, depend on how high you get in the tree how much stock do you put in that, and how much do you think about that when you're hanging? Because I haven't really thought about the the thermals being that. I've thought about the thermals, but, like, not dictating how high I put my stand up, whether it's in the morning or the evening. 
Sure. So if, if it's in the morning and it's going to be a bright, sunny morning to where the thermals are lifting up, you can the higher you are, the more your thermals are going to be going up. Now, I don't get that cranking height just because it's going to be a morning hunt. I get to where the tree tells me I need to be for the cover. But I know my scent's going to be going up if it's going to be a not an not an overcast, not a a, a foggy, no sun morning. It's it's a it's a morning where the 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 weather is going to dictate to where as soon as the sun pops up, all these thermals are going to start raising. So I want to be a little bit higher. It, I can get a little bit higher. Let's say okay. I'm not saying I want to be a little bit higher, but I can get a little higher in the evening. What happens in the evening, especially if you're hunting in some uh, different terrain or whatever. What happens in the evening is as soon as that sun drops over the hill, that's when most of the deer are moving, right? So, or at least the big bucks. So then your scent's going to be dropping and these ditches are going to be pulling your scent downhill into the bottoms, uh, you know, leveling out and stuff down below. So you can hunt a little bit lower and get away with it because then your scent has less area to follow to get to those ditches to be pulled down in the bottoms. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's another good tip because you, you know, when you're setting up to hunt the thermals in the evening, you're wanting your ground, your scent to pretty much get to the ground as quick as possible and get away from, you know, the deer down in that ditch or whatever. And if you're up higher, this gives it more time to get caught by the wind and and go a different direction. You know, if you have a low wind night, you can play those thermals to a T. But I feel yeah. like I'm always worried about. I need to be less worried about how high I am and let the tree tell me where I need to be. And yeah, let, you know, not, not, not let the tree tell me where I need to be, where I'm going to set up. But when I get to the tree, like, okay, I'm going 12 foot or I'm going. I'm using all four sticks, you know, said, well, maybe yeah. I only need three cause that's where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're trying to use everything that we're taking with us. Like, okay, we're going to get as high as we can take it all. But sometimes we're above, you know where we probably should be sure well you you i mean you wouldn't believe how many people i've heard over the years have killed deer five foot off the ground six foot off the ground eight foot off the ground in small little tiny trees that you're thinking there's no way in hell you're getting away with it and they get away with it mm-hmm. because these deer aren't expecting people to come at them from those spots they're you know if, if they're in a highly a heavily hunted area uh, they, especially uh, if it's in brushy area and stuff like that, where there's sections where there's big trees. Well, those deer at times will avoid those sections, especially if they're hunted hard because they ran into hunters there. So they're going out through these little ditches with little trees that are 12 foot tall and they're going by all of them. Well, you can't believe what you can get away with if you get out there and you can get a little bit of cover in one of them trees, get five, six, seven foot off the ground. And I'm telling you, uh, you can take advantage of those deer and a lot of times they have no clue what happened and a lot of times you know it it seems like once you get past that 12 to 15 you're up in the canopy so much you lose so much shooting awesome yes you're doing those hanging hot so i noticed that last year you know going a little bit lower i could just have so much more shooting because that's one of the biggest challenges when you're hanging hunting is Okay, I'm in the right spot, but I got all this stuff in the in my way, and I can't make the shot happen. But if you were just a few feet lower, not worried about getting up in that height, you could get underneath that canopy and make make it work. 
yeah, yeah. Why get up in that canopy and trim and have to trim out ten different limbs for shooting lanes when you can be three foot lower and you got all your shooting lanes? You know, yeah. And let the let the cover and stuff dictate that in your shooting lanes. Um, you know, you don't need to be high. I, I don't. I mean, but you got to be careful when you're hunting low because you got to. Uh, you know, you're kind of in the deer's sight. They may be looking under you, but you just can't be moving around and and. I, there several years ago, this is back in 2016, I had a GoPro above my head, and I don't know what happened, but the GoPro stayed on. And I went back later on that evening, back to the hotel room, I realized that my SD card was full. So I just stuck that thing in a computer and went through it and fast-forwarded through all of it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I did not realize how much I moved. I mean, I was <laughs> yeah. moving like crazy. And yeah. then that made me, I mean, I started, I thought, well, heck, there's no way I could get by with this stuff or whatever. So that's when you start, I started moving less. I started turning less. Um, you know, you try to be like a statue up there and don't move a lot, especially when you're hunting low and the deer can pop out on. If you can see them coming from a distance, you know, maybe you got more of a chance to settle down and, uh, you know, not move as much, but man, if they pop out on you, if you're hunting in thick cover and stuff, you gotta be still because they'll pick you off from a good ways away. If it's below 20 degrees, there's a good chance I'm a statue up there. (laughs) (laughs) I can always tell when homie's cold. You don't talk, you don't move, you got a mask on, and I'm like, is this guy alive right now? (laughs) Cody's like, well, it's been 40 minutes since I heard. I better reach around the tree here, make sure he's still alive over there. This guy hasn't made a peep in 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Cody didn't move his fingers. uh, That's funny. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Heath. This has been an absolute incredible episode. I've really enjoyed it. Like I said, I think it's really going to change the way I hunt this year. Um, and hopefully the, the listeners enjoyed it. We appreciate you staying up late with us and uh, making this happen. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, and hopefully homie can get a little bit before he goes into work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. he's got to be up at 3, so he's, oh, he's, geez. Cracking, he's cracking early out here making content. But... Uh, no, I was just going to say, you know, if, if things aren't working for you, you need to change. You know, the definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing over and over without success. So uh, change. You guys maybe hunting a little bit lower, maybe hunting in smaller trees. Try that. And if it doesn't work, well, then, you know, maybe go back in between something, a little bit bigger tree, maybe a little higher. Just you got to change it up and find out, what, find out what works for you guys. So. Yeah, that's the key is finding finding what works and just keep executing on what you're good at you know a lot of people hunt different and some people hunt bed some people hunt the rut some people like late season and if you could find something you're really good at you know stick to that and keep executing on that and just get better and better instead of you know it's good to be good at everything but if you can find what you're good at and really perfect it it's definitely going to make it easier to be successful every year that's what everybody wants you know everybody wants to kill kill every year kill their target buck and and uh fill the freezer so yes but to our listeners we appreciate you tuning in um like i said if you ain't following heath um you can watch his films um it, your film already released didn't it um, my one for this year my illinois hunt is releasing sunday nice oh, nice releasing sunday so go ahead and let the listeners wear it let them know where they can find it you guys are putting a lot of work into that and i'm really enjoying it yes it's it's on the uh, lone wolf custom gear youtube channel it's on whitetail addictions yeah i i uh watching that 
and talking to you and Jason, like I said, you guys have made us better hunters and really appreciate the time you guys have given us um, over the years and given our listeners just for you to come on here and just talk whitetails. I know it's going to impact uh, some of the listeners. So like we always say, uh, try to do the right thing and try to leave a legacy and uh, whitetail legacy is out. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.